the start of every year, um, we face the pressure uh, to do better or to be better. Uh, this time of year, you see it, don't you, in the, in the form of New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you've set any New Year's resolutions. Uh, I won't ask you uh, to shout out if you have, because no doubt by this time next week, you'll have stopped doing, uh, and that would be embarrassing for you. Uh, but in Wales, the five most common resolutions at New Year are to do more exercise, to lose weight, to save more money, to drink less alcohol, and to spend more time uh, with family. The mantra that our society gives us is, I must do better. I have to do better. But the problem with that mantra is, well, surely this isn't it, that the pressure to do better becomes too much and you give up. So did you know that 92% of people who make a New Year's resolution give up at some point? That means, well, that's most of us, especially all of us, isn't it? 80% uh, of them give up within the first month. I was reading this morning about a gym who bring loads of extra equipment in. They rent it for a week from the 1st of, till the 8th of January when all these people have got a New Year's resolution to go to the gym. I've never had that resolution, by the way. Uh, but all these people have this resolution to go to the gym and then seven days later, they're nowhere to be seen. So they've learned not to buy the equipment, they just rent it. I will do better simply means I will fail. I will fail. It doesn't stop us trying, though. And also, we even try that in church. We make resolutions like I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. Now, both of those are really good things to do, right? So please don't think that that's a bad resolution to have. But if you're like me and you've made those resolutions in the past, maybe you made that resolution in 2022, and maybe you lasted a couple of weeks, and then it fell apart, and you failed. And then when you fail, it means that you feel like you're not a good Christian. So then when you come to church on a Sunday, everything is about pretending that, ev that everything is okay rather than being honest about how we fail and how we fall. Everyone else, after all, in, this, in the congregation is doing so well. So I've got to pretend I'm having a great time as well. So we sing the songs with gusto. We say aloud amen. We say good morning when the preacher says good morning to us. But there's a danger that we're in a place where church culture becomes about people pretending they are better than they are. And that is dangerous. It's dangerous for several reasons. Here are four, just very quickly. If, if, if church and, uh, and gathering together is about being, pretending that we're better, it dr drives self-righteousness. People begin to feel and act like they're better than everybody else because of what they do. It also means that focus becomes on changing behavior of both believers and unbelievers. And this results in people who aren't Christians feeling their behavior must change before they can become Christians. And Christians being made to feel like they have to stop sinning before they return to God. So as a result, they don't confess their sins to him. They just resolve to try harder and do better, which just results in more guilt as they fail. It also means that sin is hidden. Sin, therefore, is not dealt with because people aren't able to confess their sins to one another, so they don't. All it results in, again, is either me trying by myself to fix things or it isn't dealt with at all. And most importantly... It takes the glory Christ deserves for ourselves. 
Pretending we are good when we are not lessens the gospel of its glory. So, if in 2023, trying to be better and pretending to be better isn't the answer, what is? What is the answer? Surely it's this. It's knowing and living and understanding that our hope before God is not based on our performance because your performance would never be good enough. Your hope is only in what Jesus has done. So my hope for 2023, my resolution isn't to do better, although I hope by God's grace I will do better. But my resolution is to trust him and see him for what he has done. Let's see in these first four verses of Romans 8 what Christ has done for us and what it means this year. Firstly, we see that Jesus has freed us from, well, we've been freed from the condemnation of sin. We see that in verse 1, don't we? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul gets straight to the point Summing up everything that he has written so far in this letter, he says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He is saying that if you are here and you are in Christ, you are not guilty. It means that there are no charges against you. That God has nothing against you. That God doesn't find any fault in you. That God has nothing to punish you for. If you are in Christ, he says that you are innocent of the accusation. There is no condemnation. Now we live in a world, don't we, where for a time it can be brilliant. Life is just as you want it. And we say, don't we, life is great. But we also know that life can change in an instant. A job can be lost. Health can go. A marriage can fall apart. And often we treat no condemnation like that. We think, don't we, that we are only one sin away from everything falling apart. That somehow a new sin variant might be found that escapes your state of no condemnation. And so it is important as we look at this verse this morning that we understand that Paul is not just saying that you are not condemned. Well, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it, to start off the year with him saying that. The emphasis in this verse in the Greek falls squarely on the word no so when Paul is saying that there is no condemnation, he means that there is no condemnation, that it cannot suddenly appear out of the shadows. It can't rise out of nowhere. Why not? Because if you are in Christ, condemnation does not exist. The word no basically means never. Think about that for a moment. If condemnation doesn't exist ever, if you're in Christ. It means that no condemnation isn't only true when we stand before God and all of our sins are behind us, but it's true now. And if you're in Christ, it is true every single day of 2023. God gives you every single day of 2023 and beyond. There is no condemnation right in the middle of our mess. And now I'm sure for some of you that's, that seems unlikely. Maybe you're like Paul. I asked Andrew to read 
part of Romans 7. So you, we could see, do you know I mean, that, that struggle that we face, don't we, where we don't do, we know that something's wrong and sometimes we still do it and we fall even when we don't want to fall. And I'm sure we all feel like Paul, whether we're a wretched man or a woman, aren't we? That we feel that there's this war raging sometimes. That we don't do what we want to do and we do what we shouldn't want to do and we think what we shouldn't think and we don't think what we should think. Isn't it interesting that after that, that is when Paul writes, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't write it after a majestic passage of the wonders and the glories of Christ. No, in the muck of life, in the difficulty of life, Paul says that if you're in Christ, you are free from any condemnation of sin. And maybe you're like Paul, and you think people in church wouldn't want to know you if they knew what you'd been up to this week. And if they think that, what on earth must God think? After all, he knows all of it. And you know that he's perfect, that he hates sin. So you feel guilty and unworthy. You don't measure up when you think of your struggles. So you can hardly believe your eyes, can you? When you read here in Romans 8 about the reality of your condition in Christ. It is true that there is no condemnation. How can I say that this morning? Well, verse 1 tells us, doesn't it? It's because we're in Christ. That is the only condition. 2023, it doesn't matter how well you perform. It doesn't matter how religious you are. The only thing that matters is whether you are in Christ or not. We'll look at why that is a little later. But for now, know this. If you are in Christ, nothing can change that verdict of no condemnation. Not even you. You don't have that power. So when Satan comes, and he will, and he tempts you to despair, look to Christ, in whom there is no condemnation for sin. Do you believe that this morning? No condemnation now. Are you in Christ? If so, you do not need to fear, because you have been freed from condemnation of sin. The second thing that we see is that we've been freed from the power of sin. In verse 2, we read there, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We've been freed from the power of sin. I'm sure you've seen the signs on a restaurant or a takeaway uh, that says, under new management, under new management, they're basically telling us, aren't they, that everything that was rubbish before is gone and that the food and service is going to get much, much better. And here, it is, Paul is saying that as, if you're in Christ, you're under new management. And he contrasts two laws. Now, law, the word law can be a tricky word in Romans uh, because Paul uses the word law in three different ways. Uh, uh, we see it, he uses it as God's laws, as in God's standards. He uses it, secondly, as a general principle in the same way that we would talk about a law of gravity. Uh, and thirdly, Paul uses this word as a, uh, as a force or a power. So we need to try and work out which one of these ways that Paul is using the word law. 
And he is using it in that last way here. He is saying that, that before you became a Christian, you were under the power and the authority of sin, and it dominated your life. You were under its control, and you were unable to change despite you trying your hardest. Maybe that's you this morning. You're not a Christian here. You're not in Christ. And you can't change. You're under the law and power of sin and death. It's producing all of the wrong things in your life. And if you continue to live under that dominion of death and sin, you're in big trouble. Because there will be condemnation. But what Paul is saying, for those who are in Christ, something has happened. You have been liberated through the Holy Spirit. You are under new management. Sin has been kicked out, and the Holy Spirit has taken over. And this is great news. This is great news. Because not only is there no condemnation, but God has, has taken over the management of our lives so that we are no longer controlled by sin and death. You are now, as Paul says in chapter 6, verse 11, dead to sin, but alive in Christ. So just as our, con and just as our status of no condemnation had nothing to do with us, it was because we were in Christ. We are not freed from the power of sin because of our obedience, our effort, our good works, our religiosity, or anything other than Christ by his Spirit. Paul said, didn't he, in chapter 7, he couldn't say no in his own strength. And yet here we are in my stig, thinking that we're somehow better, that we can do it in our own strength, that we're able to do that, that we're able to stand against the lies of the devil in our own strength, that we're able to withstand temptation. Brothers and sisters, we don't have it in ourselves, do we? But we have been given the Spirit who lives in us. And you might think, really? You don't know how I'm struggling. The power of sin is, is so overwhelming in my life. If you are truly in Christ, his spirit is living in you. He didn't just leave you to your own devices because he knew you'd never be able to, to do anything on your own. So he gave us his spirit who changes our hearts and gives us life. That same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. Same spirit who commands the dead to wake if you are in Christ lives in you and he has the power he has the power he has set us free so that you can say no now it's not always quite that easy is it it's not always quite that easy because it's hard when we're tempted it's really difficult you can do it in the power of his spirit you can say no and if you're here thinking this morning well it's easy isn't it well, jesus doesn't understand he understands tell us in his word he was tempted in every way yet was without sin he sympathizes with us because he was tempted in every way. He faced every type of temptation that there is to face and did not give in to it once. 
which means that he faced a temptation beyond what you and I are able to bear when we give in. He did more, and he never gave in to it. So this should be wonderfully liberating as we come to 2023. Because you are in Christ, sin does not have the same power over you. You can say no. What an encouragement. That in his power, we can say to temptation, I'm not yours anymore. I'm under new management. And you can close the door behind you. So we've seen that we've been freed from the condemnation of sin. We've been freed from the power of sin. We see thirdly that we're freed only by Jesus, only through Jesus in verse 3. And the beginning of verse 4, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeful of sinful flesh, and for our sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How can you have no condemnation? How can you be free from the power of sin? Surely this, isn't it? Only because of Jesus. Don't know if you noticed, I'm sure some of you did, the word law appeared again, didn't it, in verse 3? So what is that referring to? Well, Paul's point is that, that God's law couldn't set us free, so God did something about it. In Romans, this is going to be like the briefest summary of Romans you've ever heard, but Paul shows us that humanity is fundamentally broken. He's shown that we've rejected God and then we've decided to go after our own pleasures instead. As a result, we've broken our relationship with God and that there is nobody who is fundamentally good or blameless. He tells us that we're all guilty and that we all deserve condemnation, that we deserve God's wrath and God's punishment. He says it is game over. And Paul says the law couldn't fix that. Couldn't set us free from the condemnation or the hold that sin has in our lives. Because the law doesn't give mercy, it doesn't give grace, it's perfection or nothing. So here we see that God did something about it. Because we had weakened the law, God came. Notice four things in verse 3 about Jesus, who is the only one who can set us free free from condemnation and free from the power of sin, is that Jesus is God's own son, not just his son. See there that it says, he sent his own son. Paul is emphasizing that Christ was not a man who God found down the road and adopted to be his son on earth. Jesus is the pre-existent, ever-existent, co-eternal, non-created divine image of the Father in whom all the fullness of deity dwells. He is God's child in a way that you and I are not. And Paul's point is that he is infinitely precious to the Father. And yet, secondly, God sent him into the world. We see, don't we, that Jesus, God's own Son, came in the likeness of sinful flesh. What does that mean? Well, we need to say, don't we, that Paul is not saying Jesus was sinful. So what we are saying is that when the Father sent the Son into this world of sin, of misery, and of, and of death, he came as close as it is possible to come to be where you and I are at. Yet he was without sin. 
He is a true man, but he is said to have had the likeness of sinful flesh because his flesh, his humanity, was never tainted by sin. He was human like you and me, and he struggled with the same things, but he never gave in. This is marvelous, isn't it? The creation, God made humanity in his image, but our sin marred God's image to such an extent that God the Son came not just in our image, as one of, but as one of us, to sort it out. He came. God's own Son, that's what we've been remembering, haven't we, over the last couple of weeks. The truth that God himself has come into the world. Thirdly, we see there that uh, all of our sin has been dealt with by Jesus. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. I said earlier, didn't I? For those who are in Christ, condemnation doesn't exist. So we need to ask the question did it just disappear into thin air? Well, the answer to that question is no. This roaring flame that was ready to consume us was extinguished by God's own Son, Jesus Christ. So if you are in Christ, you are no longer condemned. Because God has already condemned your sin in Christ. That's how I can say that there is no condemnation now and in the future. Because God has condemned every sin you have ever and will ever commit. God's own Son became one of us to deal with the consequences of your sin. Hebrews 2 tells us that God the Son had to become human. He had to become human so he could pay the price for us. He was perfect. He obeyed the law when we couldn't obey the law. He hit the standard that was required. And then he paid the punishment for our sin by dying on the cross. And he stood there in the flame of God's wrath until he could proclaim that it was finished. Finished is the victory cry. Finished means it's done. Finished means that condemnation doesn't exist. Think of this year you've had all of those failed, all those failures and understand that Jesus has dealt with every last drop of condemnation for those sins. And the sins you're going to commit through 2023, he has dealt with those and taken the condemnation for those too. Is that true of you this morning? Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Because if you are, what a wonderful, wonderful truth for us to think on this first day of the new year. That God didn't just wave a magic wand and say your sins are forgiven, but Jesus Christ came into this world to die on a cross and took our sin, the condemnation for our sin on himself, and instead gave us his, his righteousness. And we see, don't we, fourthly, only in this third point, that we're freed only through Jesus, is that Jesus has restored our relationship with God. We see it there at the beginning of verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Paul says that all of the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in us. Certainly not filled in me, fulfilled in me in my effort. But Jesus didn't only deal with our sin, but he gave us his perfection. 
And it's important we understand that because it means our relationship with God has completely changed. I'm convinced that so many Christians struggle with this because they don't understand. They understand that Jesus takes their sin away from them, but they don't fully grasp that Jesus has given them his righteousness in their place. And because Jesus fulfilled all of the law's requirements, we have Christ's righteousness by faith. He did what you couldn't do. God's purpose in sending his own son to deal with our condemnation and demolish the power of the law of sin in our lives was so the righteous requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us. He did what you couldn't do. Jesus, the clean one, was treated as dirty so that you, the dirty one, are treated as clean. And because that relationship has changed, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your failure. If you're in Christ, he sees Christ's perfection instead because that relationship has been restored. He looks at you through the lens of Christ. When you wrong somebody on this earth, there's always that awkwardness, isn't there? Even when you've said sorry, it's still a little bit awkward for a while. And we think God is like that. But not so. He looks at me and sees, he doesn't see my weaknesses, but he sees Christ's perfection. He sees you, if you're in Christ, as his perfect son or daughter. He hasn't had enough of you at the end of 2022. He's not wishing he'd never saved you at the end of 22. He's not pointing his finger at you, exasperated that you failed again. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you so that you could have the righteousness of Christ and have that relationship to be restored. So fourthly and finally, we see that we're freed to be like Jesus. In verse 4, we read that we who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus doesn't free us to stay as we are. Ultimately, Jesus came to this earth to make you like him. Jesus came to this earth to make you like him. So if you're in Christ here this morning and you want to know what Christ's purpose is for you in 2023, is that he's going to make you more like him. No matter what it is you go through, what you face, the joys and the sorrows, he is making you like him. And that was the purpose of his entire life. His, his death and his resurrection was to make you and I like him. He isn't interested in change on the outside. He wants change on the inside, which may well lead to change on the outside. So he gives us his spirit. And we said earlier, didn't we, that the spirit is the one who, te who, who tells us that we it gives us the power to say no to the, to the power of sin. But the Spirit is also the one who changes us and makes us more like Christ. In verse 5, we see, saw, didn't we, as we read, that those who, who are according to the Spirit, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. So what are the things of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit? Well, in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, it's interesting that it focuses on actions. No, sorry, on character, not actions. We read there, the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Those are the things that we are to look to. That is what living in the Spirit looks like. Please don't think this morning that this is another tick list to judge yourself against. But they are things that we should aspire to because they ultimately are, they are a description of Christ. Love. Jesus displayed the greatest love by laying down his life for his friends. Joy. Jesus is the one who disregarded the shame of the cross with great joy to save us. And he will joyfully present us before the throne of the Father. Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, making peace between us and God. Patience. Jesus has unlimited patience that he shows to us daily. Kindness. He is the kindness of God. He doesn't treat us as we deserve, but he shows us grace and mercy instead. Goodness. Jesus did the ultimate good, dying in the place for our sins, and his gospel is the good news. Faithfulness. Well, Jesus is faithful to his Father, and he's faithful to us. He stayed the plan of redemption until the end, till every last sin had been paid for, and he is faithful to us now if we are in Christ, even when we are not faithful to him. Gentleness. Matthew tells us, doesn't he, what Jesus says, that he is gentle and lowly in heart, who takes our burdens from us and gives us the ultimate rest. Self-control. Jesus is the embodiment of self-control, isn't he? When Peter tried to take things into his own hands, Jesus exercised godly self-control and allowed him to be arrested and crucified when he could have called down numerous angels to call it all off. That's what we're freed like. We're freed to be like Christ. We're free to be like him. We need his spirit by his grace because the same grace that saved us is the same grace that sanctifies us. In Titus 2, Paul tells us that it is grace that saves us is the grace that changes us. It is grace that teaches us to, to live differently and to say no to sin. It is grace that train, to, trains us to turn away from it and towards Christ. By grace... We are free to live like Christ in the power of his spirit. So what's your hope for 2023? Here's mine. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And if you're in Christ too, that means that 2023 is a year where you don't need to worry about condemnation because you've been freed from it. When you stumble and fall, Christ has paid the price for your sins. 2023 is a year where you are free from the power of sin, where you can say no by the power of his spirit to temptation. I'm going to do something different. 2023 is a year where your relationship with God is not based on your performance. Hallelujah for that. But it is based on what Christ has done. And who Christ is. And because of that, 2023 is a year where you are free to be like him. So knowing all of those things, that it's not down to us, it is down to Christ. It is not down to our effort that we can strive to live godly lives. So if you're, in, if you're not in Christ, I urge you this morning, come to him. Come to him. 
Come to him. You too can have hope through 2023. And if you are in Christ, stop pretending that you're better to each other. If you're struggling with sin, we're commanded to confess it to each other so we can point each other to Christ so he gets all the glory for such a great salvation. If you're in Christ, don't try and hide your sin from God. Return to him. No matter what has been done, confessing your sin because he will not turn away from you. You can rest in what Christ has done. Not just trying harder because you'll just run out of puff but falling into his grace that he lavishes upon you knowing that your best will never be good enough and you rely on his spirit. Asking God to use his spirit to point you to Christ and to work in your heart and to make you more like him and striving to live a life worthy of the gospel. Amen.